Hi, Mark. You were supposed to call me when you landed. Someone here. What? Oh my God, they got a Darlos. They're coming. All right, listen to me. Go to the next bedroom, under the bed. Tell me when you're there. Now, the next part is very important. They are going to take you. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for a ransom, I can tell you I don't have money. But what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. Where are they? If you let Sean go now, that'll be the end of it. You have a 96 hour to what? To never finding her. No. But if you don't, I will look for you. Where is she? I will find you. I will kill you. You asked to ride the truck, ride my truck. Gone. Hey kids, it's your old pal ML Elric coming to you this time without my Northern Irish lilt. And I, I'm pleased to report that my my threats to Sean's captors were persuasive because he was released unharmed, <laughs> although it may seem very soon like he suffered some sort of head trauma because I'm not sure that he's going to be making complete sense. But he is back with us, the one, the only, Sean Xavier Win- Windsor. Thank you for being with us, Sean. Hey, buddy. Hey, buddy. <laughs> I just want to quote him Thank right you, before buddy. we started. I don't know how much I can bring y'all today. Like, oh, great. Great energy level. Sean is like cold fusion. Before the show, we put some water in a styrofoam cup, and there's unlimited energy, and then the green light goes on, and we can't replicate it. It just, it's it's a feat that defies physics. I don't know that there was much energy before the green light went on either today. That's my point, yeah. Yeah, Of course, he continues to be a shameless self-promoter um and mark fellhauer who's who's always here he's sort of like no energy <laughs> the tax man no mark's missed a few shows well thanks for, okay. thanks for selling them out Jeez, nice throw me under the bus sean, I mean, okay, sean just came to dime out mark no uh, i just remember what it felt like when it was just me and mike it was you know nice yeah. it was very nice actually oh, okay great oh, wow. romantic well, all right it's it's always nice to have joe in control because he's he's got a strong steady hand we did have a capitalism disagreement before the show though so you do have something to bring today i'll tell you that much with the topic well capitalism is a perfect a perfect uh segue into our guest which is mr jc reindel of the detroit free press one of our outstanding colleagues who has been trying to make sense out of what's going on with the hudson site with the district detroit with billionaires asking peasants for millions to help make their dreams come true which, if they came true, might be worth the investment, but they somehow never quite seem to get there. So JC's going to answer some questions for us after posting a story this morning that, that has a really simple title and one that I think we'll, we're going to appreciate is More Details Emerge for $1.5 Billion District Detroit Build-Out and Incentives. And even with the new details, 
we still have some questions. So we're going to get to JC in just a minute. But first, we want to thank the people who make this show possible and who make it possible for you to have some dreams of building something special. Perhaps it's a new home. Perhaps it's refinancing your home. That would be David Hall of Hall Financial or Luke Nowacki of Pinnacle Wealth Strategies who can help you build a financial strategy so that when it's time for you to retire, you can do so with confidence and comfort and know that, yeah, you may not be building uh, downtown and begging for massive tax incentives, but you can support yourself like a regular person instead of like a billionaire who somehow can't quite seem to balance the books. I don't know. I seem to think they have a lot of accountants there. You're always dividing. By the way, that was nice, though. Did you write that or is this off the top of your head? What's that? Everything you just said. It's from the heart, Sean. Is it from the heart? It's from the heart. Yeah, really? That was yeah. touching. Way to undermine it. Right through that one ventricle, it's a little constricted. But and you, if you're watching the show, uh, you'll see JC joining us on YouTube or on Facebook. We love it when you subscribe to our YouTube channel, which is ML Soul of Detroit. You can post comments. You can sign up for alerts so you always know when we go live because it is a bit of a wild card there. And you can also post comments and post comments to Facebook where we'll try and get to them as we can throughout the show. But, uh, but it's time for our star, J.C. Rindel, who is uh, an outstanding reporter, someone who has the wherewithal to cut through the fog and bring to us some common sense about some really important issues because these guys are looking for, is it, J.C., is it like $600 million in incentives this time? Uh, more than that, it comes out to $800 million, roughly, uh, if you count all the, the different tranches of incentives that are being requested. And so out of $1.5 billion, how much are they actually going to spend? <laughs> yeah, they, uh, they have some, some equity. They intend to contribute uh, over $600 million in equity, but a lot of the, the development, um, you know, $1.5 billion, a lot of that will be, will be uh, paid for with subsidies. You know, over over thirty five years, but that is what they total up to is uh, about eight hundred million. And and so they put in six hundred million dollars of their own money, or are they putting in one point five billion dollars? And we're going to give them some of it back because I'm always confused about these big numbers. Because I know when I went to go buy a house, uh, I had to put. Uh, a lot of my own money into it and there was nobody who was going to help me make my dreams come true. Yeah. The, uh, the equity that they are putting into it um, is, should be a little over 600, yeah, 655 million. Um, that, that number was you know just reported yesterday for the first time. It's in some of the, the, the development documents. Um, but also a portion of that is, I, I believe, you know, some of that could be, there are some questions. Some of that could be bank loans, or the bank loans could be kind of on, on top of their equity. That is still a question mark since a lot of these documents that are submitted, um, they're not they're not written for the general public. Um, it's generally uh, you know developer to developer, developer to, to public official. Um, so there is a lot of questions still about about the financing. But the number you know the official equity number which they intend to contribute is six hundred fifty five million um, of the one point. $5 billion project. And there's going to be some bank lending as, as part of that. Uh, again, kind of figuring exactly what that the capital stack, as they say, um, that, that hasn't been hasn't been shared yet, as far as I know. JC, can you just give us a little bit of context for the listener, what that what this project is? I know 
the uh, ultimate goal is 10 buildings uh, around the district of Detroit, and, and then also some context of how it's kind of languished uh, Yeah, for a this while, is essentially right? District Detroit 2.0. Uh, the, the first version came out, was announced back in 2014, a lot of, a lot of colorful renderings for the development was going to happen around the new Little Caesars Arena. And uh, as we all know, that opened in 2017 and uh, not much of the, the arena district, not much of District of Detroit opened up at the same time. So the Illich organization did take a lot of criticism uh, with the pace of development since then, to be fair. We have had some development that did did rise up next to the arena the old Eddie, Ho Eddie Stone Hotel, that's now open, um, mostly market rate housing, and, and it's all uh, all filled up very, very quickly in, in about a year. And there is a new office building next to uh, next to the arena. You have a law firm, uh, Boston Consulting Group too, and then you have Google, which is right next to the arena. Um, but you know, initially there was a lot, a lot of renderings for, for more apartment towers, a lot of adaptive reuse of historic buildings in the Cass Corridor. A lot of that did not happen. Um, and this this is District Detroit 2.0. And what's different now is that the Illich organization, their Olympia development, has teamed up with Stephen Ross, who's a Detroit native and a mega developer from New York, did the Hudson Yards project over there. And and so he has a very good track record. And they propose to do 10, 10 total buildings, uh, six, six new ones and four historic rehabs. And they're going to be building out. Um, District of Detroit and finishing a lot of what was what was announced the first time that it didn't materialize. JC, I'm I'm an idiot, so a lot of the numbers just kind of fly by my head. But all I know is that what was built wasn't what they promised to build, and yet there's no way to get any of the money back that the that they were given from the public. Why is that, and why can't that be changed for the next development that they won't complete the way they say they're going to? Yeah, the for the 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 one the District of Detroit, the first version. They actually did legally comply with with what they were supposed to do. Um, they had a, a benchmark for how much, I think the term was ancillary development, you know, around the arena. Um, it was set fairly low, one could say. Um, and they even got to include the new Little Caesars headquarters, you know, with the pizza windows, which is not next to the arena. It's downtown, not too far away. Um, but that that got to be included, too. I think there were some parking decks that got to be included. So legally, they fulfilled all their obligations um, the first time around. Nevertheless, the the perception, you know, public perception generally is that they they failed to complete the full vision. Um, and so this time around, and, and also to, to go back though, the first time, they did get a lot of a lot of public financing for the arena, um, and and so now they are seeking some more this time. Um, but a lot of these projects. You know what it would be the way the way it's going to work out. A lot of it is tax increment financing, which means that the subsidy, you know, essentially the the buildings would would pay for themselves. Where all the new taxes that would be generated, a lot of the new taxes that be generated would go towards, you know, the development team. You know, that duo being the Olympia Development and related companies. There would be some over that over that capture um, corner of the projections. There would be a net fiscal benefit. You know, to to the city of Detroit and to the state taxpayers, um, but it's not like they're going to be writing a big check to uh, to the developers, or they get a lot of cash. They do get some some cash. There was a deal with the DDA where yeah. you know they are reimbursed, uh, you know, twenty five million for making some infrastructure improvements, and they have a, a twenty four million dollar you know one percent interest loan, um, which is nice. That's, that's to help make some of the housing more affordable. Yeah. Um, 
but a lot of like the bulk of the subsidies is not like a like a welfare check, corporate welfare check, um, but it is tax increment financing, which is complex, but essentially works out to be that you know this this is money that you know, no one would be getting anyway unless the developments were finished. Well, a lot of it's based on too these projections, as you mentioned, that are you know going to be bringing in a, a bigger tax base and and better paying jobs. But show me one. Um, well, don't show me one because you probably do have one. Um, it it seems like they never really fulfill these projections. The projections seem to be pie in the sky numbers and the amount of money that it's going to be brought in, especially with stadiums. I know this isn't a stadium, but it's right next to it. But where do these numbers come from, and why are they always so far off. Yeah, that's a that's a good observation. Um, I, I agree with you. And for these for the projections for this project, um, they 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 did go with an outside firm, a consultant firm, um, and that was a requirement as as part of what's called a transformative brownfield. Um, they had to choose an outside firm to do these projections, and and, and essentially the the all the the benefit for. For the city in terms of new tax revenue, the benefit for the state in terms of new tax revenue, a lot of that is projected based upon the, the jobs that are going to be going to be created, you know, by by one, the construction of all these 10 buildings. And two, when you fill them up with with new commercial tenants, new office tenants, um, two new hotels and, and a lot of residential buildings there. Um, and, and so that's the economic in the economic projections for the impact are based upon you know, what they think is going to be happening once is, they're built, they're, they're all filled up. JC, is, it, is the capacity based on being at a hundred percent capacity? Yeah, I think for sometimes that, that has been the case. Uh, there was a transformative Brownfield um, for, for Gilbert's bedrock that is assuming uh, <laughs> oh, kind of a hundred percent filled for, I believe for the office buildings for district Detroit, I believe it's 90% occupancy is what they're expecting. And I did a story, you know, right before the new year, um, speaking to some experts in uh, commercial real estate and offices. And there is a question mark too. You know, now we're, we're post-COVID. There's a lot of remote work, a lot of hybrid work. People aren't coming to the office every day. Um, you know, some people from the suburbs who used to work in Detroit, you know, five days a week, they no longer have to pay their, their city income tax. They don't come into the city as much as they used to. So so there is a question mark, I think, if you know, one um, or all these new office buildings, and there's about about four of these ten buildings are going to be new office buildings. Will they all be filled up with tenants? And would those you know would those tenants all have their workforce there? Like it's 2019, five days a week, or could a lot of them be remote? And and therefore they they don't pay the the city income tax. Um, and I guess they wouldn't be going to to, to lunch at uh you know your know, pop belly or whatever else is around. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are those are some open questions. Well, this is one of the things that concerns me with with tax increment financing, and in theory, it's a it's a great idea, right? You have a piece of land that's bringing in little to no tax dollars. You take a financial risk to build something there, which creates value, which would drive up the tax bill. But you divert some of that tax money to the project to help support the project to help mitigate the risk. And so while you don't get all the taxes that would be owed, you're getting more taxes than you would get if nothing had happened there. In theory, that, that, that's great. That makes sense to me. I, I can see that being a fair way to spur development. But if you end up building these projects and you anticipate all these things and people don't come downtown or people work in the suburbs more and don't pay 100% of their city tax because they work from home several days a week, 
and those taxes don't go up, do we at some point have to dip into our pocket to make up the difference in the same way that we're now basically diverting taxpayer dollars to support the Q line because it didn't it didn't pan out the way people thought it would by now? Yeah, I would say that's that my understanding of, of the way these deals work is that would not be a risk, you know, that the public's going to have to to make up a difference of of some shortfall. Um, like you said, it is tax increment financing. And under that scenario, I'm trying to think, you know, who would get get burned in a situation where let's just say you build these, you know, all four of the office buildings, the four of the 10 buildings, and no one wants to go in there. Um, I'm trying to think of who would be burned in that situation. You know, some of the, the private lenders, um, you know, they haven't been identified, but there is going to be some private, you know, bank financing. Um, they would probably be suffering. Um and and I do know that from from past transformative brownfields, you know, if there is a you know, when the subsidy is approved for a very large number, if some of the projects kind of don't don't happen to this at the scale that was originally expected, there's still like a large number of subsidies that can be essentially taken or, or taxes that can be captured from the, the the one the buildings that were were finished. And so let's just say only only nine or eight of these buildings get built. Um, but they were approved as if all ten were going to be built. You, you know, potentially. Um, no one, no one suggested they're going to do this. But you potentially could shift some of those those subsidies around, where you could take a take take a larger reimbursement from some of the the, the structures that were built. You know, more more money. Um, maybe only eight of the ten are built, so you you know take the the subsidy from there. Um, that I believe that's been done before. Um, no one said that's what the or you know the two developers here would do. But that's also a possibility. If you know a worst case scenario occurs and no one wants to fill up these buildings, so that that to me sounds like a little bit of the shaft for us because if you're if you're taking the full benefit but you don't create all the properties, then you're not generating all those taxes that you said you're going to create to to you know have the taxes that you can draw upon, but. But let, let me let me go back to a, an issue that we hear all the time with these projects is that the tax dollars that are being reinvested into the project or that aren't being collected by government, the 100% of the taxes we're not going to get, that this is taking money away from schools and libraries. And we've heard these, these developers say, particularly in Hudson's, none of this was going to schools. It was all just downtown taxes. Uh, we've heard this over LCA. I imagine we're going to hear this in this project. Will any money that would be going to schools and libraries not be realized because of this uh, this plan? Yeah, the way I understand it, um, that that's that would not happen. You know, the schools would not be affected. Uh, one because the DDA district uh, downtown D- development authority. Um, you know, they, they, their district includes the arena. And so that all that tax collection would be going to them anyway, like you said, not the schools. And I do know too, with the district of Detroit 1.0, um, there was some, some school money that, that may have been, been impacted, but it was very complex because around the same time that district of Detroit was under construction, you also had the migration from, from DPS to Detroit community district. And so some of that money, I think went towards the old DPS, not the not the current schools. Um, and I and I have spoken for, for past stories to to current, you know, Detroit school officials, and and they said they haven't been impacted at all, you know, by uh, kind of what what happened or didn't happen with the first district Detroit. 
So I think, um, you know, you know, to be fair to some of the proponents, um, you know, and, and those seeking these tax breaks, I think it is a true statement that the schools, you know, aren't, aren't you know, aren't, aren't impacted by, by these developments. What about for some of the buildings that are going to be uh, apartments where you own them or just condos? Because then that would contribute to the millage, right? So, yeah, yeah. I think they are. There are so seeking actually, tax breaks for some of these condos. Um, you know, that does give the, you know, actually, and in this case, I, I believe that they've yet to really say there's going to be any condos. It's just just apartments. There could be some condos, but they've yet to to, to say that. Um because that would make a difference, right? If you just rent, you're not going to contribute to the the school pot. But if you if you own, you would. And one of the stipulations of this um, of these uh, tax breaks, or at least the twenty four million dollar loan, JC, you write about with the one percent interest over thirty four years. Which I wish I could get a loan like that. Um, part of the stipulation is for affordable housing. Is is that kind of a red herring, or does affordable housing actually exist in a lot of these new projects? Yeah. So I'll address both those questions. Um, the, the first one, um, when it comes to siphoning school monies, again, that, that doesn't happen in this case because even before all these developments happen, there's this DDA, you know, the DDA has these boundaries that, that encompass most of downtown, including the uh, the new arena in the District of Detroit area. And so that money was already being siphoned and directed to the DDA. It wasn't going to the schools. Um, so that means that this new development, you know, when they're capturing a lot of that, that, that tax revenue th- via some of these tax breaks, it's not like they're capturing it from the schools, um, even for the residential buildings. And the, uh, what was the second question again? Oh, just how many of these affordable houses, housing, oh, yeah. how, how many actually get filled? Is this another thing where legally it's in there, but they don't really have to, is, is, I just feel like there's a lot of ambiguity in what they really need to fulfill. I mean, on the surface, it seems like, yeah, a family of four that makes 45,000 can move into one of these great new buildings, but does it, does it happen? Or is there another way they can weasel out of that? Yeah, I think the, the tax breaks to, to make the housing more affordable, um, that appears to me, you know, to be pretty legitimate. Um, you know, there are some real costs to constructing new, new buildings, new, new housing, and it's even been said um, at, at a meeting yesterday that in some cases, Detroit construction costs can be higher than, than bigger cities like Chicago, where they build big buildings all the time. In Detroit, we only have a couple going on. So you just don't have the, you know, a lot of the savings and efficiencies of scale. And, and so there is a lot of costs involved in Detroit to, to build new housing. And the rents you can get in Detroit are, are just not the same as they would be in, in bigger cities. And so to to make these the housing more affordable, um, you know, so so Detroiters, you know, who, who you know aren't making, you know, pulling down big salaries at, at Rocket Mortgage can can afford to live there. Um, you it does make sense that you would need to have these subsidies so the developer can you know have have some return on on these projects. And and some of the tax incentives here are geared to to making that possible. And um, and, and, and some of these, and that's pretty common too across housing in Detroit. And, and if we didn't have, you know, tax breaks and, and incentives, um, we, we probably have a lot less housing, you know, for Detroiters today. Sure, it does seem to be a necessary evil, but boy, when you have billionaires coming back asking for more money when they don't deliver on the watercolors that we see publicly, it's just it's it's bullshit. Um, and one more follow up on that one percent loan over 34 years is that a common term that the dda gives out to 
don't know. Say I wanted to go build a be- build a building down there, and I wanted that deal. Would would I be able to get it, or does my last name have to be Gilbert or Illich or Ross? Yeah, <laughs> I think in this case, um, you know that that is a, a, a unique arrangement. It's my understanding, hmm. um, and, and I think in this in this case, you know, I, I can see how the DDA thought that that request for the one percent, you know, a twenty four million dollar loan. I can see how they thought that made sense because you do have you know two two developers coming in, um, and they're going to not just build one building or, or two buildings, but it's multiple buildings. And these would be really nice new buildings, very very high quality. And you're going to have um, you know people of, of more modest means you know can live in these these new buildings. So I, I think my assumption is they saw this as as a, a unique situation where it would make more sense you know to let these developers you know have this this special loan in in ways that it might not make sense for you know a, a, like a a line of developers who just want to have a one off building. Do the same thing, so I can kind of see why they saved it for for this for this project rather than handing it out to, to any developer that knocks on their door. It does make sense that if we've decided as a society, and I don't know, we've really had this conversation that Detroit's comeback should not just be reserved for the people who can afford top dollar places. That if we want people downtown not just to be new Detroiters who make six figure incomes that we have to make some space for people who may work in some of the buildings, not as an executive, but as someone who may be cleaning the buildings, that the developer, the owner, is sacrificing potential income. So I, I understand a subsidy in that case because we think there's a there's a higher purpose. And and, and I'm, I'm going to buy into that, that well, conversation. Incenti- incentives and subsidies, I mean, yeah, there's a reason they exist to, to incentivize them to do something. But at this level, it just, it just stinks. Sorry, I'm up. No, no, it's Go okay. The, the real question I have is how do they decide which low-income folks qualify? Is it somebody whose brother is on a commission or whose mom sits in a council seat hmm. or whatever? So that's where I kind of say, hmm, okay, it's a good idea, but let's see how they execute it. But of all the numbers that fly around in JC's story, and there are a lot a of lot, them, yeah. and, and he does a real good job of laying them out and breaking them down because there are a lot of different pots they're looking to pull money from or to recapture money from. The one that sticks out in my mind that I just cannot in any way make sense of is this line. If all 10 buildings get built and are successfully leased, the consultant forecasts that nearly 5,800 permanent full-time equivalent jobs would be created paying average incomes of $95,000 a year. Now, the reason I can't make sense of this is not because it's clearly written. Like everything JC does, it's very clean. It's very, it's very straightforward, but what the hell is this consultant talking about? Because 5,800 permanent jobs with an average salary of $95,000 a year. Have they specified what those jobs would be? Because that just seems, and that when, seems and, inconceivable. And, and when would they make this $95,000? Would it be at the end of the 34-year loan? Is that what they're measuring it by? <laughs> yeah, that's. Um, I, I raised my eyebrows at that figure too. Um, but that is indeed in the consultant's report. I actually had to check that three times because it just didn't, <laughs> didn't seem right to me. Um, but but that is what they came up with. And a lot of those jobs you know, would be... Uh, would, would be office jobs, um, hospitality jobs. And apparently they're expecting so many of these, these jobs, um, that, that are high paying that it would average out, um, and, and raise the, the average over, you know, let's just say like a housekeeper job at some of the residential buildings. 
Um, and that is actually really key when, when it comes to these economic impact projections. And, we, and we're seeing it here with District Detroit 2.0, as well as the, the Gilbert projects. A lot of those projections are all based upon the jobs that are created and, and the salaries that are created. And, and, and you, you do have an incentive for the developers to have really big numbers you know, for those things, because that, that helps you know, the, the headline number you know, for the impact is going to be bigger if you have you know, more people working there, uh, making, making more money. And, and one thing, too, which we reported on the past, um, which is kind of in that line, too, is that it's also important you know, when, when you know, the devil's in the detail when it comes to where these jobs are coming from, because this is only, only new, new jobs, net new creation, if these are new jobs being created, you know, if, you know, you know, but, but for this development, they wouldn't occur. So, so, you, so one thing one has to be careful about is let's just say you do have a company that's living in like a class C older downtown building, you know, kind of run down and, and they want to really upgrade um, to one of these, these new buildings and they just move over, you know, all their workforce and just say a hundred people, you know, into the, the new building. Well, you know, all those, those people who are you know, the existing employees were currently paying their state income tax their their city income tax and they move over to the new building. Um, and then in the new building, you know, with this, if this transformational brownfield subsidies approved for the, the district, um, a portion, I believe 50% of their state income taxes get to be captured by the developers. Um, and there's other, so, th so that'll occur. Um, so one thing that, that, that one should be careful about in, when, when it comes to these projections and what they expect to, to actually, actually occur when everything is done is, is where the jobs are coming from. You know, are we just, um, you know, shuffling around jobs, musical chairs, or these these net new, and the and uh, and, and Stephen Ross's his um, related companies, they do have a, a very big Rolodex. Um, a lot of companies around the company around the country are already their tenants, especially New York, and and they say that there has been some interest in in coming into Detroit, um, you know, by some new companies, um, as well as some some existing ones that might upgrade, you know, come into the new buildings, possibly expand. Um, so it is still an open question, you know, whether they could could make those projections. It's not completely BS, um, but you know, a lot of things have to, to have to work out perfectly for those numbers to come true. JC, one thing that you and I can't get to the bottom of, no matter how hard we try, because we just don't have access to the raw information, is these these previous promises, whether they were kept. Uh, did was there a shell game where someone who was already in a building moved to another building? The city should be able to compile or the state should be able to compile some of this information by looking at income tax data, where people file their taxes, where they're working, that sort of thing. Is there anybody uh, from the city or anywhere else who's saying, okay, in the last deal, you said you were going to create 2,000 jobs that pay an average of $75,000 a year or whatever it might be. Is there anybody going back and looking at that and saying, well, based on what you promised us based on what we can see from our tax data that you kept that promise because I know projections, you know, some of it is dependent on, do we have another pandemic? Do you know, who knows what's going to happen, but in terms of what you promised before and where we are today, there should be raw data that can be analyzed to say, you said we would have 10,000 more jobs in this square footage or mileage or whatever that pay this and thus. And so, we can actually break that down. Is, is anybody doing that? Is anybody being asked to do that? Yeah, that's a very good question. 
And I've not heard of anyone that has been asked or, or has done that. Um, I believe that would require someone who's who's in government, um, who has access to all that data, because just you know your average person, even reporters, don't have access to tax data. You'd have to really do some research, and you'd have to have an incentive, you know, to be to be watchdogging these projects. It's going to require some some work going back. Um, and again, this isn't publicly available information out there. I've yet to hear of anyone doing that. Well, I think I'm going to maybe in the free press ask if anybody's going to do that or why they aren't doing that because politicians love ribbon cuttings. They love hanging out with rich people who can make campaign contributions. They love being at the press conferences. They love wearing those those helmets and then getting this fancy silver shovel out there and digging dirt. And it's always the same ones. Yeah. And, and where is the friggin' accountability? Where are people saying, well, if we're going to do another deal for you, how did you do on the last one? I just don't, I just don't think there's incentive for politicians to do that. And I think we need to apply some of that pressure ourselves. And, and frankly, you know, one of the things that I talked about when I was running for city council is, clawback when are we going to say hey folks you said you'd have this done in five years you didn't get it done maybe we need to change the deal or using the example that you cited uh you know we're going to capture this much in taxes we didn't do 10 billings but we did eight but we'd still like to have the full capture why isn't somebody saying well if you only did eight how about we give you 80 percent of what we told you we were going to give you do you do you hear anything in these conversations or are these developers ever saying Hey, if we don't hit our mark, we'll make it up to you. Yeah, I've, I've never heard that. Um, and a lot of these, I'm like, stunned. Like transformational. Sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt. I just, you know, it just—it's crazy. Yeah. <laughs> they yeah, never like feel the like they need to give us a guarantee. Subsidy. We just have to guarantee stuff for them. Yeah, like the transformational brownfield subsidy, which is a state-level tax capture, the six hundred and sixteen million dollar tax capture. That does not have any clawbacks because the way it works, again, it's you know tax increment financing. There's no no check being handed over. Though the one test, um, or I would say one development that that I'm going to be watching closely is, is going to be happening at the end of February, where the very first uh, transformative brownfield that was approved um, by the state of Michigan was actually for Gilbert's projects, the four developments in downtown. You know, you, you had the, the one campus marshes, the company we're building, that expansion in the back. Um, you also had the, the book tower um, redevelopment. You had the Hudson site, that, that massive project. And then the, uh, the other one was the Monroe Blocks, which, you know, right now they have, you know, an Imagine Outdoor Theater there. They've, they've had some, um, some winter games, um, some roller skating in, in warmer months. And, and that project was actually supposed to be a, a massive that site was supposed to be a massive office complex with some housing. And, and that hasn't happened again, you know, to be fair, that was proposed, um, you know, long before COVID, um, you know, back when there, there really was a time in, in Detroit not long ago where we had run out of class A office space. There was a lot of demand for, uh, you know, apparently we heard there was a lot of demand for, for more tenants to come to Detroit and Detroit had trouble luring in any, any big, you know, high profile national national tenants because we needed to kind of have a lot of space available for them to move to. So there, there was a strong argument to building a lot of new office space, you know, in 17, 18, 19, then COVID hit. And so in, in late February, um, the, the DDA has, has asked Bedrock to present a, a revised plan for what they're going to do at Monroe Blocks. Um, that was supposed to be done at the end of last year, according to the original timeline, you know, massive office complex, 
very large residential, all finished last year. You know, obviously nothing's happened. And, and so I'm really curious to see what, what does happen when you have an example of, of a, a big, big project as one of these transformative brownfields that, that doesn't occur. Um, maybe they could still finish it. You know, it's uh, a lot of these projects take years to finish. Maybe we'll completely rebound from COVID. Um, maybe less remote work. Maybe we'll, we'll lure a lot of, a lot of new national tenants to Detroit. But, but one does wonder if there's going to be a, a need to build some of these projects, especially with, um, with, uh, with Illich and Ross building their new office buildings. You know, is, are the Monroe blocks going to, going to get done or not? So I'm going to be watching to see what, what happens at the end of February to see if there is any, any clawback or what, what does happen with, with that. When, um, say, Olympia or Ross's companies, they're going to put together this development and they want to look at incentives, do they come up with it? Do they go to the DDA in the state for the Brownsfield? Or uh, is, is it done in concert? And if they just go to these public institutions, how much is pushback is there? Like, no, we're not going to give you $616 million, Or is that just locked into a law? Yeah, right now for the, the District of Detroit build-out, um, there is for the transformative brownfield, the biggest tranche of the subsidies. There actually is a very, uh, very set process, and there's there's you could say there's three pegs to it. The first peg is you have a local brownfield advisory board that 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 takes a vote on it, and they're they're due to they're they're going to do that February eighth, I believe, or that they could. Or that's the next meeting, and then after that, let's just say they approve it, it goes towards city council. And and so they they can have a lot of discussion and and they would you know vote it vote it yay or nay and if they approve it it then goes to the Michigan Strategic Fund which is a quasi governmental development group up in Lansing Association and um, they almost they they approve almost everything that comes before them but I would say the for the from the public's perspective um, that that it really comes up to council you know what they're going to do if, if they're going to be okay with this $616 million brownfield. Well, thank God we have counsel there to make the right call because <laughs> yeah, uh, right. JC and Dan Afana and I wrote a story last year about how council was recommending this. Two council members were recommending a big tax abatement for Gilbert. Turns out most of the members on council were getting money from Gilbert's significant campaign contributions from a PAC controlled by Gilbert. Right after our story came out, they delayed their vote. They spent a month trying to learn more about this major project, which if they were ready to vote on it, why did they need to spend another month learning about it? And in the end, council did approve it, but the two council members who had recommended approval ended up voting against a deal that had been made a lot better because the free press shed some light on this. And Gilbert and his associates said, we better make this deal sweeter if we're going to get this through city council. So I, you know, it really seems like whatever they ask for, they're going to get. Yeah. I, I mean, council just is not, they are not the check on the power no. that, that, that they really should be. They're not no. the check on the power of the mayor they should be. And they're not the check on the power of the powerful people who are transforming our city. And it's really important to note as well. I think that we like LCA. We're glad that, that the book tower is being reformed. I'm, I'm grateful to see the Detroit free press building the original one or the kind of the original one at 321 West Lafayette coming back to life. Downtown has been transformed by Peter Carmanos, by Dan Gilbert, by a lot of other people. And before them by Gary Torgo. Yeah. We want these things. Yeah. But at what cost? We want these things, but we also want everybody to keep up their end of the bargain. And if, 
they ask us to put something on the table, we expect them to live up to what they told us. And $95,000 a year jobs for yeah, 5,800 right. people, that means somebody who holds the door is making thirty grand. That means somebody who's walking through the door must be making two hundred grand. And I just... It stinks. The, the problem is... Party poopers. These deals are oversold. We're not being told truthfully there you what's go. going on and then no one goes back to check and i really think that before olympia or illich companies whatever they're calling themselves now ask us for any more money they should provide us a really high quality accurate breakdown of how well they fulfilled their last promise and if they're not willing to do that <laughs> then i have to wonder if it's because the numbers didn't fall the way they said of they course. were and that they don't want to be judged by their track record when they come back to us for and, even and, more and help. you know the city never has any data on it either. <laughs> well, the city's just like, oh, you want to do this? That'd be great. And, you know, and, and you have seen these projects change because the fact that we're having some, some affordable housing, you know, that's a transformation that's happened because people were bitching that this, these new buildings were only for the rich folks. And so the city has affected the course of these projects, but... In terms of holding them accountable for doing everything they said they'd do, boy, I, I just don't have that sense. And if, if anybody knew whether they were doing that, it would be JC because this guy is a bulldog. So, JC, we really appreciate you coming on and for the work you're doing. And I look forward to seeing your next story because I know if there's anybody who's going to ask some hard questions of these jokers, it's going to be JC Reindell of the Detroit Free Press. Thank you for having me on. I'm, I'm flattered. <laughs> well, it's, he doesn't un, say that to just yeah, anyone unlike these developers we don't blow sunshine up people's ass and then give them colon cancer we we think that what? uh you know that's okay sorry that was a, that's a just bad stop when you're ahead ML. that's a bad visual um but uh but yeah no great job jc and stay on them and i hope that we'll be able to team up again in the near future to uh to let these folks know that they just can't they just can't paint these fantasy images and think that uh, and keep transforming the city. Thanks, JC. Okay. Thanks for listening to Mike's soliloquy. Why are especially. you so mad? Why did you call us party poopers? We'll let you go, JC. Now, now we're going to yell at Sean. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. JC remembers what downtown was like twenty years ago. But that's what we just said. We want these things, right? Oh, no, you really don't. You oh, just, you bullshit! Just wanna, you just Why would complain. you say that? Because you just want to complain. So you're okay with a as one long as they're not dumping shit. Yeah, if there's you're no, fi you're fine with it. You're fine with with. Wow, I've never seen you on a billionaire side. I'll, I'll, I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why these discussions yeah, we matter. We act like this is our money. It's not. It's a clay. No, it is our money. It is. It's just public money. This is money that would be going into. Now that's why tax increment finance districts are 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 complex, but they are, I think, useful because. It is our money, but if they don't build it, there's no money to go in our pocket. So that's why these, I think, are justifiable. But, but here's why these discussions matter. There was a great gourmet grocery store on Woodward called The Butcher Shop. It was started by some folks with their own money. They did a wonderful job, prepared foods, high-end stuff, wine department, people who really knew what they were talking about. A very lovely place to go. No help from the city. Whole Foods wants to come here right down the block from them. The city piles money that, that upon dollar upon dollar to encourage Whole Foods to go there. Whole Foods opens with these massive subsidies, puts the butcher shop 
out of business. And we were told Whole Foods needs all these incentives because it's a big investment. It's a big risk. And I keep hearing it's one of the most profitable Whole Foods in the whole chain. And so by subsidizing, by picking a winner, we eliminated an organically grown, high quality local business. And that's why, you know, it's not just that we want things to come downtown. It's are we hurting people who are making things happen with money out of their own pocket, who are making their own risk? Because ideally, everything is going to happen organically where people, they take a risk. If they win, they're rewarded. If they don't, hey, you paid your money, you takes your chances. But when we put all these incentives and these subsidize, subsidize all these projects, well, the, 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 we're, we're stopping other things from moving like forward. Like JC said too, Sean, the $616 million that are Brownfield uh, tax captures, that's money that would go back, right? I mean, that, Right, that, and, I'm not, and I, but, and but I agree have, about the $5,800 figure and the $95,000 salary, but that's about all, $600 million it's all too. Li- it's all lies. That's just for one year though, right? And I, and but it's I, not all lies. Part of it, it's, none of it's lies. It's just exaggeration. Some of it's going to work though, to JC's point. So right. yeah, that's a that, fair amount of it. Actually, is I just work. wonder: would they do this one point uh, five billion dollar um, development? You know, all these buildings. Would they do it? To me, the stadiums they, are the boondoggles. What, the stadiums are the ridiculous ones because they the, the jobs that those provide, and the fact that mostly they sit, especially football stadiums. Right? They may have some concerts in them, but other than air truck shows. But other than that, they got eight home games a year. I, Those are the boondoggles in every community across the country. But what sure. J, but this development? What JC is talking about? That's, that's different. That's fine, but what I wonder, and this is you know kind of why I'm glad he laid out where this money's coming from and what breaks are getting is if this development's so great, one and a half billion dollars, would they do it if their incentives were only five hundred million? Well, I don't would know. They would they have built? Million? Would they have the book? Hotel, the book is a great example. That place would still be empty if there weren't subsidies, exactly. massive subsidies. It, but it also 50%. has never done what it was supposed yeah. to do, which is why I, the developer sold it after losing his shirt. I mean, and it, does it bother you that it's always the same two names mainly? Now Stephen Ross is involved. Does it bother you at all that you know there's so much bedrock in this area of downtown, and then everything up there is Olympia and Illich? I mean, yeah, I'm glad somebody's doing it, but it'd be nice to have a little diversification of who else development. Is gonna, who else is going to? Oh, I get you're, you're right. I mean, you can question. Oh, the I'm character sure there's. Of these deve- guys. I'm sure there's developers around the country. You know, Ross didn't get involved in this out of the kindness of his heart. No, he wants he to got, make money. Of exa- course not. Exactly. And he's got some issues. So why whatever. are we giving I mean, him maybe so much? Gilbert does. Why are we giving him so much help to make that who money? Who else is coming up to do it? That's the problem. This is how well, our culture well, with works. this deal. With this, how the world works. Unfortunately, I, I, I think there there's a lot smaller, of developers that would like this deal and would might come here. There are smaller projects that get incentives, so it's not like these things just go to these guys. And if you're going to do a project on such a grand scale, you do have to be kind of a big player. But what's but Ford getting to redo the train station? Here's my problem. When I go to the bank and I want to buy a house or I want to refinance, I don't tell them, yeah. I'm going to make $150,000 a year over the next 20 years, so you <laughs> should loan me $200,000. You say, no, asshole. Give me, give me your W-2s. I want to know exactly how much you did make. I want to know how much you do have in the bank, and then I'll decide whether to finance this deal. And these these developers can go to these banks and they should be having those same conversations because if the deals make sense, the banks will write the notes. And JC has said, there is going to be some lending involved. 
and maybe to hit the certain numbers, the bank but needs those, us. They're to not going to write those down. notes without the subsidies. That's the exactly. thing. I mean, that's the that's the this, issue at here. this scale. Think about it this way: well, think, when you're laying what? out pie in the sky, yeah. fifty-eight hundred jobs paying an average of ninety-five thousand no, dollars a year. Somebody needs to say, "Whoa, but what whoa, if it's, whoa!" But back what if it's, that. But oh. what if it's half that? Or even a third of that. Well, then tell That's us that. That's better than that, what was there before, which was nothing. By the way, I went to then, Mi Pueblo. Mi Pueblo, whatever. I'm a Lapidus guy. If you're talking about taquerias in southwest Detroit, there's several other spots well, down there but that go are ahead. great. <laughs> I what? went down to Mi Pueblo uh, a couple of weeks ago and went right by. It was at night. <laughs> went by the, the train station, and it was lit up. And I was just thinking, so... Yes, there is a. What uh, does that mean to the folks in Corktown yes. and the neighborhoods that are just south and just uh, west of there? What does that mean to see that building with lights? No, development. And life at some point, the psychological part of that. And that's what's unique and different about Detroit. JC was talking about Chicago, or he didn't specifically say New York. Well, well I guess Ross and his project in New York, but Detroit's different. I'll tell you what it means to a lot of people over there. We've got to sell our means, soul a little bit, right? It means to gentrification. It means I'm going to be forced out of my home. That's a different issue. No, I agree. No, no, but that's a big thing. With the train station, when those high salaries come there, there's going to be a lot of landlords who say, it's my turn to cash in, raising the rents, driving people out of that neighborhood who have been there for a long time. And, and so an when, when these things happen, there are people in Corktown. There are people in Mexican Town who are sitting here saying, I, this is bad. This is going to change what life is like in my neighborhood. I'm going to be forced out. I'm going to, you know, I, I can't afford to go happens. to the corner store because now it's a high-end coffee shop. Uh, I mean, it, it, development, it, it's, so last night I, I, I emceed this event for uh, for the human trafficking, which we talked about last oh, yeah. week on the yeah, show. Yeah, yeah. Beautiful documentary. Hopefully it'll come to Detroit. But one of, like things, great episode. one of the things they talked about was that as they're as they're keeping people in the village and and educating them and helping them get higher paying jobs, they're losing skills, native skills like weaving and building these instruments, and the uh, the people who are trying to improve life for people in the village also recognize that as they do that, they are changing the culture and they are losing some of the things that make these villages distinctive, and they don't know how to balance that out. But it's one of these things where. You know, when it's the law of unintended consequences, when you do something, something else happens and it may not be what you wanted and it may not be what you like. And, you know, there are people who live near these places where we love going to this show or this restaurant or whatever who are getting pushed out. You know, I mean, it's and that's an issue, and that's an issue in every city in this country. Right? Well, then, There's then if you're no going to disrupt a community, don't lie to me or pretend that you're going to turn everybody who works there into a millionaire. Tell me what's really going to happen, so I can evaluate. So the now deal you're exaggerating. I don't think anybody's merits. promising a millionaire. Yeah, for for the purposes of of this conversation, I engage in some hyperbole. But my hyperbole is on a friggin' podcast, not because I expect somebody to give me six hundred million dollars in incentives. There's a big difference. Yeah. And what are you going to get for that $600 million? That's the question. And only JC has the answer to that. I defer to JC on that. JC is just glad that uh, that he doesn't have to uh, roll around in the dirt with these intellectual sows. Oh, there's nothing intellectual about me. I buy, Again, the stadiums, the ballparks, all that, that's just... Uh, Taylor asked a great question. Just horseshit. Uh, did Dan Gilbert ever build that MLS stadium total, on the jail site? Total bait and switch. Yeah, I mean that's that's such horseshit. That's the other thing is you know when we see these things, 
again, that that was that was a mirage that faded so quickly it made you wonder. We like those shiny objects, right? Well, there was a couple yeah. of seconds there where every you know, politician where, wants their picture taken in yep. front of the rendering. Well, it, well, that may be true too, but there was a couple of seconds there where soccer was the thing, right? And everybody wanted in on it. No, soccer still is a thing. In fact, no, the MLS, not not the Premier League, which is what Mark cares about. Well, no, I care. I care about it all. I would. I would love, um, and I love DCFC, but I wouldn't mind an MLS team in this in this city. And they really kind of hurt the chance that that could happen. Well, first they went, okay, we're gonna we got this beautiful rendering. Then they get the oh, now we want to do it at Ford Field. It's like wow, you changed venues really quickly. And and I still remember. When the Maroons were being threatened with the demolition of Michigan Central Depot, which is a building that I love, but really had been left abandoned so long that something should have been done to it. And so they came up with this plan where we're going to turn it into a international intermodal uh, uh, hub. And they had these renderings at city council. And city council was threatening, we are going to make you tear that down. Or we're going to tear it down and send and you the bill. And then it doesn't work. It's well, like you write the lead. Let me, let me just lead. finish this. Let me finish this. So, so they put these renderings out. And city council said, oh, you're doing something. So we'll back down. They never did anything. It was just to, to divert, to dodge, to delay. It happens all the time. And it shouldn't. Why shouldn't it? It's like you starting a column and writing two sentences you hate and then you scratch out. It's just on a much grander scale. Yeah, but at it's some point I filed the column. Human error and human ambition all kind of mixed together. Human fa- frailty, human failure. That's what it is. It's all mixed together. You 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 spurt and you sput and you go forward a little bit and then you go way back. That's Very been romantic. the story for fifty years for this city. I want fifty million in no. the DDA to build something. That'd Here's the story of this city. People promised pie in the sky and not even giving us crumbs. No, but then some That's do. That's got to stop. But then some do. At what cost? Right. Things get built, but just be real with us. And, and, and if you can't fulfill your promises, there's nothing wrong with saying, hey, we had a pandemic. Hey, we had trouble with bank financing. Hey, there was a recession. Hey, people don't want to move downtown anymore because it turns out the rents were higher than they could afford. Just tell us that. But, but don't, don't paint some beautiful picture, which is bullshit, and then come back with another beautiful picture and say, we're the guys who... Because you're not the guy. It does say something when private financing is a little harder to get than the public financing. Don't you think? Well, you're not going to get the private without the public subsidies, right? Yeah, because they know it's not that great of a project. Right, because of the circumstances of where we're starting from. So it's going to be different. Well, we we understand. And there's going to be risk. And a lot of it's not going to work. We understand. Well, you know, eight hundred million dollars. Yeah, one subsidies. One way that risk becomes reality is when you make unrealistic projections. To JC's point, they're not cutting them a check, right? There was nothing to start. Mike made the best point of the day. There was. There's nothing to start with. You're starting with nothing. So anything is a gain. Well, they are cutting a check. uh, The DDA. I think. I think JC's column said twenty four million for infrastructure things. But you know, how do you define that? What's going to be defined is that I, you know, I don't know. Maybe that's in the fine print. So that that's that the, is cash. They or get the tax, it's just tax recapture. Or it's is, just dirt. Yeah, but it's dirt in a prime. And maybe world, some pheasants. But it's dirt. And in I a, know that's a hipster thing to do in the city to, to go out and hunt them. What these buildings are going to be? Hipsters empty are too. hunting pheasants. Well, they were for a while. I never heard that. But anyway, the well, the, and, they're, and they're delicious too. I mean, if we're being real. If we're talking about Mexican restaurants. Because that's but a good deflection. Our former colleague, Diane Weiss, made a um, 
a documentary, right, about the pheasants, pheasants in Detroit. It's a great deflection. We used to have pheasants in my neighborhood. We don't anymore. It's still a nice neighborhood, but uh, I don't know. But anyway, the, the, the point is, though. What was this, your point? This is really important. Is this land downtown, because of the development, is now prime real estate. And maybe somebody has a project that's worthy of considering, yeah. and they yeah. should be able to compete with it without saying, I need $600 million. Maybe they don't, but we're not talking about some land by the airport that used to be a landfill. We're not talking about some former lead-filled site where they used to smelt this or that. We no, we're talking about land that is more valuable because the very people you're trashing, sure. which deserve a lot of criticism, have made it more valuable. Sure. And they should make it valuable for everybody who has a plan, not just like, well, we made something out of this. Well, other people Somewhere can with come your in, money, right? And so we're going to continue to other suck people all can the come in, But that's, now, right? that's the question. Would other people get $800 million well, maybe not, but maybe they'll get the percentage well, the that's problem. relative to that. Well, maybe it's a much smaller scale project, but they're going to get... That's the problem. Right? Instead of 1.5 to 8, maybe it's a $10 million, and they're going to get $5 million in subsidies or whatever, as long as it's the well, same ratio. Think, that's but what we're talking about. I don't think, it, I don't think it would be the same ratio is kind of our point. Well, I don't know. I don't know enough. Mike, you know a lot more. JC would know a whole lot more about who's building what and trying to do. Yeah, I, I, I don't have a head for these things. JC does. My only point is... Tell us the truth. That's all I want to know. Tell us the truth. And if you're an elected official or you're a city official, hold them accountable. If they didn't live up to their promise, claw back. If they this say they're going to the create- land of optimism. We're the land of Teletubbies. Come on, man. Okay, well, we have data. You're talking about trying to change the Who culture. data, not the city. I'll tell you that much. Uh, before we move on, I, I just noticed oh. that JC is still on there. Uh, JC, if, if you can hear me and are paying attention, is there anything you want to correct and are yelling at Sean? Did we get any numbers wrong? Uh, no, you guys, you guys are great. Okay, good. 100% accurate. Hey, there you go. Yeah. And Sean's wrong, right? <laughs> JC, Jay's not biting. Damn, Damn it. He's, you can say it, JC. That's a hard pass. You're wrong. No, you Sean, can say I'm wrong. I don't care. I'm always wrong. We, we, uh, JC's torn. <laughs> you know, he likes to stick to the facts. We also, no we also are guilty of making some rosy predictions, which is that Sean will be a serious contributor to the conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, he was at the end. Mr. He, Capitalist over there. Yeah, I know. I when can't believe these billionaires all this money. I can't believe you guys put me in that spot. When did Stephen Ross spot? get to you? Part of the blue wall. Yeah. Yeah, that's it. Hey, if uh, you need help with financing, there's my segue, right? Yes. No, this is, let's talk to some people who look at real numbers and who can make a real Yeah, difference. if you can't get a $25 million loan at 1% for 33 years, you still might be able to do something with your money. And uh, mortgage interest rates are the lowest. They've been in over four months. And now the holidays are behind us. Now's the time to take a look at your finance and consider consolidating your debt with a cash-out refinance. Huh? This is what normal, hardworking people have to do. Use the equity in your home. Put yourself in a better financial situation. It's the most affordable way to eliminate debt. And how do you do that, Sean asks? Pay your people. You're supposed to just say, how do you do that? A free five-minute mortgage review with all financials. All it takes to see how much money you've gained in home equity. And in most cases, you can access that money in two weeks or less. So whether you're looking to purchase a new home, refinance your current home, you need to call Hall Financial first, 866-CALL-HALL, or chat with them online at callhallfirst.com. How about that? That sounds sounds fabulous. Sounds pretty good. And if you are making a big financial decision, such as purchasing that new home or a car or Maybe building a stadium. Building a stadium. There you go. You're going to see. You need to see how these decisions are going to affect your current and future financial goals. 
And the one person we recommend is Luke Nowacki, and he's got a whole team at Pinnacle Wealth Strategies to help you plan for all your financial goals, both today and well into the future. Call Luke today at 248-663-4748 for a complimentary consultation to see if these plans are going to align with your goals. Because when you call Luke, he'll make it all about you, sweetheart. Securities and investment advisory services offered through Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Member F-I-N-R-A-S-I-P-C. Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. is separately owned and other entities and or marketing names. Products or services referenced here are independent of Royal Alliance Associates, Inc. Oh, man, the geeks have inherited the earth. Did I do that? What a dork. Does him wanting to play with us again mean that he's turning into a geek? Or we're turning into cool guys? I was going to make our Geek of the Week this Chiefs fan who is known as, I think, uh, Chiefs... Jackson Mahomes? No, no, this is is a guy who shows up at at, at Kansas City Chiefs games dressed as a wolf, and he missed the last game, and they found out eventually why he missed it, because he was in jail, because he tried to rob a bank, and no one knew how he was able to afford all these things, and it turns out... He may be a bank robber, but it also turns well, that's out- a fun story. It's a great movie. he has movie. an incredibly uh, tragic upbringing, and so he may have just been doing what he needed to do to get by and to have a little notoriety. So he's not our Geek of the Week. Like Dan Gilbert. So it's going to be Jackson Mahomes? <laughs> no, no, it's going to be Ma- Mike, Mahomes. Mike Pompeo, uh, oh. our former Secretary of State for the United States. That was a left turn. And a presidential wannabe. Right turn. Also from Kansas, though. And it's left. Also from Kansas. So uh, he, he mocks- he mocks the uh, disproportionate the global uproar. What's that? The Chiefs are in Missouri. I'm sorry, Mike Pompeo. Go ahead. I kind of was worried that that might be the case. But there's a Kansas City in Kansas, right? There is. Great yes. barbecue. Okay. There as well as Kansas City, Missouri. Better than Lapidus? Oklahoma Joe's. It's so in anyways, a gas station. I think it's in Kansas. There you go. Welcome to Mi Pueblo, uh, Sean. God bless him. Anyway, Mike Pompeo uh, mocks the disproportionate global uproar over Jamal Khashoggi's death. You may remember Jamal Khashoggi was the Washington Post journalist who had his head separated from his body by criticized because he criticized Mohammed bin Salman, also known as MBS, one of the most powerful, one of the richest, and perhaps one of the most vile people on the face of the earth. Well, Mike Pompeo says that MBS the beheader, said he is one of the most important leaders of his time, a truly historic figure on the world stage. Well, he may be historic, but it's for all the wrong reasons. And maybe he's going to change the culture in Saudi Arabia one head at a time. But Mike Pompeo, somebody who beheads, someone who fights for freedom and the truth, you think that's overblown? Well, guess what, buddy? You may never be president, but you are a Geek of the Week. Take the side of the billionaires. We didn't make you do anything. We made you do. That's unbelievable. Anything. Pro-gentrification. So we could have a. Uh, I'm not pro-gentrification. So yeah, we you can, are. So we could have a little bit of tension in here. 
No, that was that was an act. That was not contrived. You were playing you. pretend. No, 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 no. I just care about different things. I want I want people to get paid. I don't want companies dumping sludge. And uh, I, don't want, I don't want companies making products that they know are going to come harm because it's cheaper just to pay out uh, in court. I don't want stuff like that. Everybody but if you're just talking that. about some pie in the sky, tax dollars for real estate development, I don't give a shit. Sounds like as Sean. Long as, the, as long as there's some eventual development. And that's how things get built. It sounds like Sean is, is in the middle of having his refinancing with Rocket Mortgage evaluated and is trying to score some points. With another firm out there that may be owned by someone who's looking for some hefty. No, 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 no. I'll stick with my uh, military, okay. my military firm. Okay. <laughs> well, we uh, we kind of took a little bit of a dog leg last month, uh, and well, I guess it's still the thirty first. It's still January. Looking at the shoegazing uh, movement, which followed New Wave, and people were really happy to hear Blur. And uh, I like and the way you raise your eyebrows when you say shoegazing. That's, That's nice. Right. That's it a nice touch. And uh, you know. <laughs> All the time, Figured, yeah. listeners want us to play stuff, and oh, Sean says, "No, no, we're not going to give them what they want. The hell with these people. The, the, we're not going to. We're not going to knuckle under them. We we, we are going oh, to be the iron fist of uh, podcasting." But people are digging shoegazing, so we thought we would play a little something from Suede, which you may have never heard before, but a lot of people who like shoegazing consider to be the best of the genre, including Julie, who writes. I really enjoyed the discussion of Britpop and hearing one of my favorite Blur songs on your podcast. I'm one of the people you mentioned who thinks Suede is the best of the big Britpop bands, although sadly, they're the least popular on this side of the pond. Well, we're going to try and do something about that today. So here is Suede playing what I think is one of their best songs. It's called Beautiful Ones. Get into fans, yeah, 
la 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 la. I can sing that last part. Who, who a lot got of the la, song? La, la, la's there. Who got the song rating? You know, there actually is a good British band called the Laws. Oh, I know. But that's is that Dr- one of Drew Drew's favorites? Them, yeah. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Well, Suede was one of the uh, sort of the Manchester Madchester bands that really got things going in the uh, the new Britpop movement. In 1992, Melody Maker named them the best new band in Britain, and their debut album, Suede was one of the fastest-selling albums in a decade. They really came out strong, but it, they've been eclipsed by Blur, Oasis, uh, you know, even even Pulp, Pulp and yeah. some other places where we're like, okay, yeah, we know those guys, but but Suede never really seemed to make it here. And, and Julie says that she went to go see them at a venue in Chicago about the size of the Fox Theater. It was half full. Really? Yeah, and she's like, I don't know why they didn't take off. She highly recommends their new release, uh, which has a song on it called Shadow Self. She says it's got a terrific bass line, which I'll definitely have to check out because I think everybody knows how much I love the bass. And uh, and she says, give Sway to listen. You will not be disappointed. I listened to some of their stuff. Not all of it really resonated with me, but I thought the Beautiful Ones had a nice kind of, it, it sort of has a, I don't know, a little, uh, a little happy, bouncy, jangly feel to it. Kind yeah, of. it was fun. Thanks, Julie. Does anybody feel like a <laughs> filet of fish sandwich? What? Wait, what? I thought you... What? Huh? Anybody else have any craving for a filet of fish? Um, no. Sure. Always. Yeah. No. Where would that come from? Why? Why do you have a craving? I don't know. I'm just... Okay. Uh, but nice song. Yeah. Man, thank your you, mind thank wanders. Thank you, Julie. Uh, yeah. That was, you, uh, you were not a fan, I take it. Of. No, it was nice. Uh, jangly. Did you say jangly? Yes, you yeah, did. It has kind of a... Some energy. You know, I, I, I almost want to say it's Beatles-esque, but it doesn't really quite feel Beatles-esque, but it makes me... It gives me that real, that kind of pure pop, you know, reaction where it's just sort of a happy, upbeat little, you know, I'm tapping my foot, I'm, you know, nodding my head and, you know, kind of bouncing and it's fun. You're missing the the most interesting fact about the band Suede, and that uh, their manager when they first started was Ricky Gervais. What? Yeah. Now we've played Ricky Gervais before mm-hmm. on, in Room Seven Six or Nine because he actually started as a new wave artist. And uh, if you go look at the pictures, yeah, he's With like the hair, yeah. yeah, and the makeup. I mean, it's kind of like Gary Newman. I'm the robot guy in the band, but they weren't bad. I think when we listened to him, we all kind of liked that tune. Yeah. Yeah, but Ricky, that was, uh, yeah, he managed him, definitely managed him. And a, another brush with greatness was in the original lineup was Justine Frischman from Elastica. Yeah. God, I love Elastica. Which is a great band. You mentioned, Manche- oh. you mentioned Manchester uh, several sentences ago, <laughs> right? As the Anglophile. Any suggestions but, uh, for us? For what? You, you of TV shows that are sort of, that take place in that part of the country. Anything you've been uh, tuned in on lately? Oh, uh, uh, I know you watch Shetland. Life on Mars. It's Life great. On Mars. Okay. Yeah, it's based in uh, in Manchester in the seventies. When Fantastic. was that? When was that show made? 70s. Is it in color? Yeah. It is in color. It's uh, you, Shetland was at least recent. So, anything else? No. Uh, I think there's a lot of. I think there's uh, like a, a, a Manchester like. Well, it doesn't have to be Manchester. It could thing, be. Right? Could be. Yeah. You're just looking for the Brit Box recommendations. Yeah, or anything anything that's north of London basically, you know. It's, it's seven ninety nine a month now for Brit Box. So I may oh be maybe separate. Scott and Bailey show. is like a British Cagney and Lacey. I gotta say, and that's really if, fun. If you're subscribing to Brit Box, have you run out of things to watch? Yeah, Last Tango in Halifax. Oh. 
yeah. is really good, and it's Sally Wainwright. She writes about that part of the country. She's written a series called Unforgiven. Happy Valley's her best. That's an amazing show okay. with Sarah Lancashire. Yeah, she's kind of incredible. And is it is it this affection for these shows that made you such a fan of new wave music? <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think the people in these shows that are that pretentious. Happened? But, uh, you know. Pretentious? They're talking about that new wave music is, is a working class expression of I know angst. it is. Yeah, it's like bicycling over there. I know. I get it. So... Would you uh, would you help them build some massive um, fortress to capitalism? You guys had a lot of fun. <laughs> you guys had a lot of fun last week, didn't you? <laughs> oh, we missed you. You know, glad you're okay. Well, it seemed to be a very focused and purposeful show where everything fit together seamlessly, almost like a uh, like sounds, a like sounds a, interesting. A Shinola watch sounds interesting, but uh, but only cheaper. Yeah. But we, we're glad you're back. We, we we were concerned about you, and now that you're well, we can continue. Where's this? To- uh, was it? Oh, was it the outro? Was some kind of thing you put together? Yeah, we have an outro every week. What are you talking about? Uh, or was it the intro? And I just well, we do an taken. intro every week too. You were t- that's where you were. You somebody took it, you. It but went we, over my head. We uh, <laughs> and was that was that a shorter intro than originally conceived? I didn't hear Mark's voice. No, it was Sean. Was it? Okay. Yeah. I may have I been disguised, I disguised, it, disguised it very well. I didn't hear it. Yeah, I, maybe I wouldn't listen. Sorry. Well, you can download the episode and listen back. Okay. It, it felt like there was a music bed under that I didn't remember from the, the original trailer, but it was... Uh, it was there. It was very good. Who's the who's the uh, the it's guy always. that draws uh, the cartoon t- sitcom uh, with the character Stewie? The guy that draws... Is that the, the family guy? Uh, oh, yeah. Family Seth guy? McFarland? Yeah. Uh-huh. Seth so he does Kermit the Frog doing Taken. Have you ever seen that? Doing no. the uh, I have a very particular set of skills only in Kermit the Frog's voice. Was it Miss Piggy who got Taken? It's pretty great, actually. <laughs> I've never seen Taken. And I've never seen The Family Guy. What? It's because you're spending all your time on Well, wait Brit a Box. minute. I've seen both I... of them. When has that happened before? Oh, you've seen that bit he's done? Well, the no. problem is if you watch Graham Norton. No, I mean, it was on Graham Norton. Guy. It's easy to get down the rabbit hole with Graham Norton. Though. Yeah. God, you watch some American stuff. I do. Uh, what about The Last of Us? Uh, do you really want to go down that path? I do. I, I, I have not seen it. Oh, okay. How, how is it? Is it worth watching? I, I mean, I mean, I, everybody loves it, right? You don't? I, I don't. But I don't. the lead actor I loved in Narcos. He's Chilean, by the way. Yeah, he's the Mandalorian, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah, yeah he's yeah, the Mandalorian. Yeah. And he was the I'll bad be. guy in the, uh, the, the Wonder Woman, re- second Wonder Woman, which I've not seen. I'll tell you my problem with The Last of Us. It feels a lot like The Walking Dead. I mean, I know they're not zombies or a fungus at this time, um, but with a lot less characters that I don't care about. I don't care about, you were three episodes in, I don't care about any of these characters. And the last episode is getting these rave reviews for being this fantastic episode. And I guess it was good as a one-off, but for the third episode of a series, you're going to have a one-off that doesn't really matter to the plot. Do you I, give I your know. opinion to talk about this show and shows like this that are hot-button culture shows on the other show, the other podcast that you obviously care a lot more about? What, the Drew and Mike show? Yeah. I do sometimes, but only when it comes up. I don't, I don't know. And I get hammered for it because I know people love this show. I just, I'm not sold on it yet. I just want him to bring his cultural expertise to this show a little bit. I'm know? just Chilean over here waiting for you to get oh, back to you, New Wave been Music. sitting on that one sick. for a while. As always, we appreciate so your suggestions here for Room 7609. And we issued a challenge last week that we would love for you to send us some current music, some pop music that takes a riff, takes a hook, maybe samples New Wave music because we want to do a month 
of New Wave Reborn. Um, and I mentioned to you that I've heard some stuff that have men without hats in it, some stuff that borrows riffs from AHA. And if you know some of those, please send those suggestions to mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. If there's some more shoegazing you'd like to hear before we move on to the next. Uh, the next or navel gazing. You could keep talking. I was quiet for quite a while there. I thought that might be appreciated. <laughs> But uh, we would love to hear from you at uh, mlsolvedetroit.com. If you enjoyed uh, seeing uh, JC on the show, that means you must be watching us on Facebook. Perhaps you could suggest or consider subscribing to our YouTube channel, where if you sign up for notifications, you'll get an alert. Just click the bell so you always know when we go live. And, of course, you can watch all of our shows that have been broadcast. Watch the replay on YouTube, and they're also on Facebook. Our YouTube channel is ML Soul of Detroit. Um, no donors to thank this week, but, uh, but we always appreciate it when they come through and, uh, you can just go to our website, mlsolvedetroit.com. And, and there's a very elaborate process to follow that I'm going to let Mark walk us through it because, uh, I have not been able to master it myself. mlsolvedetroit.com and uh, click on the donate button. Oh, it's very, very simple. I know it sounds hard, but just give it a try. See if you can do it. Prove to us that you can do it. Thanks for wearing an ML Soul of Detroit gear today, by the way. That was me. Yeah, you. I, I was going. I was going to wear the long sleeve. And shirt, then you saw the match. Drew and Mike. It didn't match my. Uh, I, I didn't want to like. Look, that. I didn't want to be in a Canadian tuxedo. Next week you'll be in the Charlie LaDuff. What's the name of his show? You know the name of it. Why don't you something. Say it? No, what is it? The, no BS news. Hour. No BS. Okay, I'm a little tired. So oh, I, I thought it was the, <laughs> you're so full no of BS. BS. No bis or no You're multiple so bees. And then next week you'll be in that gear, that pair. Well, that's I'm going to wear now, just for you. Thank you. Thank you for supporting this podcast. So uh, <laughs> we do have some feedback, and you know what? We're the coming worst. up. We're coming up uh, this spring. We'll hit 200 episodes for our 100th episode. Max Prokop uh, created some music for us, uh, Buzz Me Mellow, and I'm thinking for the 200th episode, I should ask. Max, if he can come up with another <gasps> distinctive is, piece of music. Why do you want to mess with it? Well, you can use both. You're a man who watches TV from the 70s. Why does it have to be why one or the other? We can, we can use some from another segment. In fact, maybe yeah. if people donate, we can use that money to pay Max's very modest and reasonable commission to commission some new music. So we'll just we'll reinvest in the show. So we, we love your feedback. You can always reach us at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. And uh, Mark, what, what what are people thinking about out there in the podcastosphere? Are you talking about this email you gave me that I haven't read yet? Um, I was speaking exactly of that. <laughs> Why does he look at me? I don't because know. when it comes to your... flying by the seat of his pants, there is the Charles Lindbergh. I wanted your approval. Right to her. I, I, uh, I, you always have my approval. I have not mentioned your calves today. You've hid them from me, so I'm sorry. Okay, Jessica writes, uh, Mike, you write about corruption. Sean writes about sports. Mark is sincerely a very keen observer. Oh, well, that's polite. Yeah, you are. Uh, Sunday and Monday, NFL rigged was a top trend on Twitter after a bizarre NFL game, especially with the intersection of gambling apps and sports. How come nobody in journalism writes genuinely about the topic of cheating and rigging games? If even to juice the entertainment value like reality TV or WWE wrestling, why is there why is there this dismissive pushback that swinging and influencing games is akin to a QAnon conspiracy? Uh, ML has written extensively about politicians, doctors, lawyers, etc., throwing their life away for peanuts. So why pretend sports are bond, uh, beyond reproach? Boxing is notoriously rigged. UFC is clearly rigged, and the recent World Cup selection was rigged. 
Miami Dolphins owner Stephen Ross was caught red-handed being a tax cheat and shamelessly offered $100,000 to his coach to swing games, to lose intentionally. And if uh, read up on the history of the NFL, the original owners were a clique of mobsters and bootleggers rigging games and laundering money, etc. Um, are the current owners that far removed? It really doesn't seem like it. And then a little post here says, I nor my husband gamble. We do not care about any of the four teams that played last weekend. Wow. Well, we know why Sean's not writing about Steven Ross. Do you Watch care to address him? I wrote about him. I, I hammered him last year. Was it last year or two years ago? Absolutely hammered him. I don't even remember why. It had something to do with Harbaugh. Do you want to address the email? No, you go first. Um, I think it would be very hard. Uh, well, let's just stick with the, the NFL, a team sport where you have 11 guys on the field. I think it'd be very hard to uh, rig a game or even have the officials rig a game. There'd be too many people in my mind that would have to keep quiet. Um, point shaving, which which has happened in basketball, you know, Boston College, Arizona State, and uh, Toledo had a football issue. There's, there's, there's a handful of examples. These people always get caught. It seems to be happening less now because the amount of money athletes make far outweigh any kind of kickback they would yeah, get. Yeah, the incentive just the incentive just, just isn't isn't there in the way to the last the, yeah, the, but why the do one they that, do endorsements because you can never have enough money. That's right? fair. That's and, fair. And there was but, the NBA ref who was involved. I was just going to mention him, Tim Donahue. He yeah. he now, it, that guy drives me nuts. But it, go ahead. But it gives it come. So he was part of the Western Conference Finals between Sacramento Kings and the L.A. Lakers. What was yep. it 2002, I want to say. And the Kings were a little bit better team that year. And um, there are a couple of those games that he was a part of where a lot of calls went against the Kings. Yep. And back, and I don't know if you remember back in those days, Mike, but the Lakers had the two biggest stars in the sport, and, and Kobe and Shaq. And um, that that league, more than any other, is driven by star power. So was Donna Donahue in cahoots with some larger force that wanted to see Kobe and Shaq in the finals or t- television ratings, which equates to more ad dollars, et cetera, et cetera? Or was he just getting paid on his own to try to influence something? Who knows? I, I don't know. That That's the last time I remember anything that would sound legitimate. The Ross thing, um, for what I understand, was never really substantiated. They really couldn't nail him too hard on that the offer of the money to throw games um, but i will say this they penalized him harshly uh calvin ridley lost a whole season for playing like fan duel uh, individual betting you know the punishments are very very harsh so to the idea ml that oh you can never have enough money I, I, to me that's kind of um it's a big penalty for a very small thing to do i don't think they can make that much money that that's just the way i feel about it they're so ultra focused on the integrity of the game and when they say that they mean to prove that it's not rigged they don't care about you know a guy dying on the field or being paralyzed or ct i mean I'll, I'll, I'm, I'm, okay i won't say they don't care they care to a far less extent because they know gambling is what moves the sports and people don't gamble if they think it's rigged if it were rigged uh, last year mahomes would be in the super bowl you know if the nba were rigged the spurs would not have won five titles right I mean, sure. they they were the the lowest draw in the league. Now, boxing and UFC, yeah, because you have one individual one, exactly on, on a one off event, I, especially for lower lower level matches sure. where the money's not there. Sure. Right, I, I go down. Everybody remembers Pulp Fiction. You're going to go down in uh, whatever round it was. Yep, I just think it's a lot. It, and, 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 if it, he if he pops up in a bowl of rice and Indo Indochine, you know, I want you to pop a cap in his ass. Was that was that the idea? 
Something like that. In, in regards to how the World Cup is is chosen, absolutely rigged through kickbacks and bribes. I mean, that's. But does that ruin the integrity of the World Cup and how it was played? By the way, I don't, I don't think so. I thought it was a really good tournament this year. By the way, speaking of uh, uh, Pulp Fiction. Oh, okay. That's what we're talking about. Yeah. Sorry, sorry, sorry. So sorry. get rid of Justin's yeah. email. Thanks, Justin. Speaking of speaking of Pulp Fiction, I, I thought we were speaking and your of your Anglophilia. Um, <laughs> The show, and, and the fish fillet sandwiches. Fish fillet sandwiches. The, the show, The Last Tango in Paris, that takes place in Northern England, is weirdly studded with probably 15 Reservoir Dog and Pulp Fiction references. It's uh, it's odd how you find this little neck at the corner of the world, and there's the American influence. Anyway, I don't know why. I'm, I'm completely confused. But yeah. I, I, I think on the gambling issue... I don't know whether corporations control how we how we could get to that, but yeah, hey, punchy, is that what you said? I know weren't those great though. Those were my favorite little moments yeah. of that. Yeah, when he sits, uh, Travolta sitting yeah, next hey, to, uh, yeah. say, hey, punchy, in the shorts. What's Yeah, I'm not your friend. I love that. Yeah. There's two there's two different conversations going on. Hey, right friend. What? Hey, friend. But I do think one of the reasons what why, you're looking why, at, why friend, people is gamble it? is for the rush. Sure. And I don't think it's always the money. And I think a guy like Pete Rose does it because it's another way for him to compete. And when he can't do it on the field. And, and look at so, the penalty he was uh, given. All he needed to but, say was, I'm pretty fucking far from okay. But we do have a lot of laws out there that everybody knows and understands. And if you violate them, you'll pay a tremendous price. But people break the law every day because it's not that they willfully want to expose themselves to punishment. It's because... They can't help themselves because there's something driving them. Maybe it's need or hunger or just that little jolt. They have to, they have to compete. And when you see those commercials with Jamie Foxx where he's making movies and he's there with Kevin Garnett and stuff, they're competing on who's winning something. It's just another, it's another playing field. It's another way to be on top. And I think there's a major continuity error in one of his ads, by the way. Just oh, is it? Well, there's one where he's like, it's supposed to be filming a scene, but of course he gets the alert that the team won. And it's yeah. bright out. They're not playing in the middle of the day. That just bothered me. Sorry. They're not? Not on a Saturday even? No. not, not No, because they're not filming at that time. Not a, not a Sunday? I don't know. I hate those ads so much. So I want yeah. to nitpick. You hate Blue Laws too? I, I, so, so you, you hate, hate America? So you, no, you do. You're the one that watches all these Brit things. I watch lots of American stuff, too. Sean um, loves America. He loves to give lots of money to rich people so they can build stuff that never measures up to what it's we're not promised. Even the American way, baby. It's not even real <laughs> capitalism. But anyway, they're going to throw you out of Ann Arbor. You better watch it. So what? What does that have to do? A friend. They're going to walk him out of there and say, "This is the People's Republic. It's time for you to go." What Sorry, you looking I, at, I, I interrupted you. So, so you <laughs> you feel ML that it's very likely or possible that people are going to start throwing games or have been throwing games? I think it is possible. It may already be happening. All you got to do is get one person in trouble. All you got to do is find what one person in the same way that Christopher Walken found Johnny Depp in Nick of Time and he almost killed the president. Am I the only one who saw that but, movie? But look no, at but speaking of Christopher Walken, the Sean Penn movie uh, um, with Christopher Walken, one of the more underrated. Oh, oh, God, it was in the 80s. What was it, Mark? Help me out. Oh, uh, we're no angels. No, oh. out of out of uh, <laughs> what Madonna does. The theme yeah, Madonna. Song. Exactly. Fantastic. It's a movie. great movie. Fantastic. And Chris she, Penn's in that, too. He is. In fact, Sean, uh, uh, Christopher Walken walks Chris Penn out and tells him a story about the dog is out. Of, the wolves go out there and the dog's in heat and they tear that dog apart. And then Christopher Penn, Chris Penn realizes he's about to get killed and he goes, Daddy. And then, that's well, now it. I don't have to watch the movie. Well, there's more to it. I mean, it's. Uh, 
It's, I, I can hear that Madonna song. Anyway. Yeah. God. Live well, to not, tell. Uh, yeah, that's it. Was it was one of her better songs. Yeah. Uh, is it out of bounds or out of uh, out no, of that's sight? Not it. Or, what is, no, that's the good George. That's the Elmo. Yeah, Leonard. that's George yeah. Clooney and uh, Jennifer Lopez. But yes, at, at close, close range. range. Damn. Damn. That's, uh, wow. Finally. Synced up. After seven hours, we're Synced on the same. Up. So now, Sean, Synced now that you're on a roll, up. how about your Just feedback? Your, forget the last topic. Though. Synced up. Wait, what's the other topic? Huh? What oh, you have feedback? Oh, there was like twenty of them at the same time. Go oh, ahead. all in the same. Uh, I, I don't know. Yeah, everybody cheats. There How about that? Including the billionaires. <laughs> it, it brings who us are back to the development over the city. Sean, I have a question. I don't know how to ask other than here, and I hope you see it. When trying camps, when trying, when I guess when training camps begin, who do you think will be QB for the Niners? Hmm. Um. I guess this is from Herman. That's easy. Tom Brady. <laughs> That's what I was going to say. Yeah. I have no idea, Herman, but Tom Brady. You think so, really? I don't know. Brock Purdy's out, I heard Christian the other day, McCaffrey? for six months, right? Six he months, tore yeah. a ligament in his elbow. CL. Yep. Yep. So six months. So I'm doing I, I, the math. What is that, July? Yeah, I'm sure he means, is it going to be Brock Purdy so or be back Trey for, Lance? So he'll be back for training camp. Miss all the OTAs and all the other if it, stuff. If it's just those two, it'll be a wide open competition, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not going to be anointed back I mean, to training. Purdy showed a lot. Why would you go away from him if he's healthy in July? I mean, yeah, I, I'm sure that you need some you insurance. Know, you know the answer to that. Why? Because they because NFL teams when they invest in somebody, they want to make sure it really isn't going to work, and that would be Trey Lance. I mean, yeah, Garoppolo's gone without they, a doubt. Yeah, maybe or maybe they trade uh, Lance. Um, possibly, but who wants him? I don't know. Good That's question. I don't know. I think it should be Tom, Tom Brady. It should be Tom Brady. Or Aaron Rodgers. <laughs> oh, God. Mr. Irrelevant versus Mr. Invincible. That would be, or Mr. Um, Indefeated. You're probably not a Brady guy because he's a Michigan guy, right? No, I have a lot of admiration for uh, Tom Brady. And like most great Wolverines, he was not given his due at the time. They went for the shiny object. They went for our boy from Brighton. They did. He was, he was pretty good, too. He was. He wants. They couldn't make up their mind. But uh, okay. Well, thank you for your feedback. You can always reach us at mlsoulofdetroit at gmail.com. I uh, want to draw your attention to a couple things. Um, my Palooka. latest. Pardon me? Palooka. <laughs> what? Okay. Um, my latest column about uh, Tony Morocco, the Macomb County corruption kingpin. I'd written a couple weeks ago that the feds were cutting him a, a huge break and that they were essentially to win a conviction, pretending that he wasn't as bad as they really believe that he was. And this happens all the time, but this seemed to be a very extreme case. Well, I went to court last week to see him get sentenced and to see what the judge was going to do. And the judge immediately says, okay, you're not telling me everything about this guy, what's going on, and decided to delay the sentencing for a month after it looked like the deal was going to fall apart. So you can check out my column. And of course, Sean's work in the free press at freep.com. I think we're running some ridiculous deal where you can get three months subscription for a dollar. So please check it out. And you can also see JC Rindell's work there and a lot of other good watchdog journalism. And but Mark, I, when he joins the Carlos and Sean podcast. Oh, we'd love to oh, yeah, have that's right. Mark and Carlos and Sean. And that would bring something him. that would bring, I mean, in, in a more uh, custodial road. Oh, that'd be great. Yeah, yeah. Sort of setting some guardrails for uh, some boundaries. Making it interesting. Me? Making it interesting. I love it's boundaries. Interesting. Yeah, it's, it's boring. So. Yeah. No, oh, geez. Well, you really know how to sell it. Um, 
So uh, uh, the other thing I want to do is invite you to donate to Clark Park. We had our hockey game a couple weeks ago. My team won this year, which is great because it doesn't always happen. But we are a long way from reaching our fundraising goal. So we ask you guys for money every week for various causes, mostly for ourselves. I want to provide an incentive here. If you go to Patronicity and look for Clark Park and make a donation, you will be invited to a VIP whiskey tasting at Thomas McGee's Sporting House and Whiskey Bar in Eastern Market. You and a friend can come, sample some whiskeys, learn about the differences in the whiskeys, and then hang out for a night at the bar to raise money for the park, have a good time. You'll get an invitation to that. If you make a donation, go to our website, mlsoulofdetroit.com, and you will find a link to Sean's work, my work, JC's work, and to the Patronisty fundraiser to support Clark Park. So we would really love it if you could come join us. It's a great time, and it is, of course, a great cause. You know what I did yesterday? Oh, my God, what? Had a filet of fish at the taco place. I wrote a call. Watch, watched old I, British I wrote, TV wrote, shows. Wrote a call. Yeah. yeah, I have a fascinating life. I wrote a column. <laughs> About the Lions in relation to the playoffs. Sure. And I mentioned Joe Burrow, who's the quarterback for the Cincinnati Bengals. Sure. In my head, I was thinking, oh, Burrow's, you know, possessive Burrow's. So that's how I spelled his name with an S. And I referred to him eight times. And I know that because a reader pointed out that I spelled his name with an S wrongly eight times. Have you ever had the same error in a single t- little 20-inch nothing column? For no, I'm, I'm a times. professional journalist, so yeah. that has not happened to me. Well, they don't have editors? He missed it, and I saw it early this morning and quickly went online and fixed it, but um, but that doesn't fix the print. Are you going to issue a correction? Oh, we don't do that. It? Are you doing issuing a correction We, we right used now? to call them straights, right? We don't, we don't do that anymore. Why not? I don't know. We do correct errors, but... If they're, if they're big enough, I guess, but folks have come to expect so many typos in what we do because we really don't have many copy editors well, anymore. The, the worst thing you can do, you, you can make all kinds of mistakes. The worst thing you can do is make a mistake involving statistics in a sports story because everybody God. out there is, no, 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 Gretzky had this many goals in this many games. You didn't include the WHA games or when he was with the Indianapolis Racers. And you're like, I felt like such what? a fool. I haven't had that kind of error. I mean, it's one thing to have a little typo that slips through. I got news for you. I bet you a lot of people didn't even notice. Well, the in- the inbox said other. <laughs> how many? How many did you get? I don't know, seven or eight. No, that's not- did you any- get anything from Kelsey? Ugh. No, I'm so sick of those two. He's very focused on Mister Burrow and the Cincinnati mayor, right? Yeah, called him a so. jabroni. Yeah, yeah. What's wrong with jabroni? I, I somebody Nothing. somebody sent me. An email when I was at Fox 2 basically saying... You were a jabroni? <laughs> yeah, you know, what are you doing messing with this jabroni? And so I responded and I said, um, you know, what's your problem, pal? And it turned out it was a guy sending an email to his girlfriend who had told him something about something I'd done on Fox 2. And I don't know if he was mad about it or like, what are you doing watching some other guy on TV or what? But he sent this message to her, but in mistake, sent it to me. And so we had this big conversation about Jabroni, and it was it was fine. Not to be confused with Joe Taboni, who owned uh, Joe Star Lounge, which was kind of a you know beloved rock and roll venue in Ann Arbor back in the eighties that got all sorts of acts and so. Yeah, forth. no one was confused about that. Ann Arbor Townie. Yeah, no, one, no one's even thinking about that. You didn't. You didn't. You, that was after you, I think, in your time there, Joe Star Lounge. Sure. 
know what you're talking about anymore. Ann Arbor. I thought you were an Ann Arbor historian. Uh, no, I don't. I haven't lived there in a long time. You no, know, I cooked at the Fleetwood. Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. Is that gone? No, it's still there. No. Uh, speaking of gone, we should probably be gone. Any anything you want to tease us with with the uh, the? Yeah, what, what are you going to misspell yeah. next time? The turgid who podcast who that you produce with the dynamic Carlos. Why don't you just say boring? Because <laughs> you already why, said boring. Why I was just trying to turgy. build on it. Yeah. Why, uninteresting. Yeah. No, Carlos is interesting. I just oh uh, am there to hold us water. Anyway, no, let's uh, let's get out of here. <laughs> the worst. Mark, uh, any? No, do you, do you I just want to go. Make your on-air resignation, or are we going to do that? Are we going to do that privately? Why do you after, say the worst? Because I'm not standing. <laughs> what? Uh, so lost and yelling. We'll be back next week with another episode of ML Soul of Detroit. Until then, Cyrus, take us out. Can you dig that? Can you dig it? Can you?